Have you ever tried to find a domain name and gotten the message, sorry, that domain name is already taken? Well, you're not alone. But with .store, a new domain extension for e-commerce and online stores, you'll get the domain that you want. What's more, your .store domain instantly tells people your website is a store. And it lets your brand do the marketing for you. So go ahead. Get the perfect, memorable website URL for your online store at www.get.store. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Mike Friedenberg. He's the owner of the Cooperation Company, a firm that helps people transform conflict into cooperation. But he's also the book or author of a book we're going to talk about today, Mastering Online Meetings, 52 Tips to Engage Your Audience and Get the Best Out of Your Online Meetings. So, Mike, thanks for joining me. Thanks very much. Happy to be here. So um, you wrote this book, or this book came out in January 2020. We're recording this in May of 2020 when pretty much the whole world is running meetings uh, online today. So I commend you for your uh, impeccable timing, sir. Well, thanks. There's a good bit of luck there, but I've been thinking about this issue for a long time. Yeah. Is this is this your first book? It's the second book. The other book is from a prior career in natural resources management. So oh, nice. this is okay. a departure for me. Yeah. And, you know, this is such a great example, too, of, of you know, online meetings have been out there. I mean, I've been doing them at least 15 years, um, you know, and, and trying to convince my clients that they actually work and, and you can do them and whatnot. But obviously the world uh, has been thrown into a um, – a change in behavior that I suspect, and, and again, I know you, this would just be opinion from you, but I suspect we'll never go back, will we? I mean, there, there still will be in-person meetings, but the online behavior is going to stick, isn't it? You bet. Uh, and I, I think this has been sort of the, the impetus that's been needed to push us all over the threshold of yeah. adopting these online meetings as kind of a new normal. Yeah. And we're not, we're not going back. Uh, yeah. People who are bosses are going to find out, uh, despite the inefficiencies of an online meeting, they're a lot cheaper. Yeah. And like that. Yeah. I know that I've done a couple um, small conferences, 30, 40 people um, that, that, you know, would have had to get, you know, spend a thousand dollars to come for a day or two and, um, and, and really taken, you know, twice as much time you know, in the conference. And I think you're absolutely right. I think, uh, I think the first one of those we did, people came away thinking that might've been better, <laughs> you know, and again, obviously there are things you can do to make the experience good. And that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about. But uh, so, so, First off, meetings for a lot of people have always been horrible, regardless of the format, <laughs> because I think meetings in general, you know, are, are not run that well. And now we've got like this technology in the way um, as well. So do you, do you feel as though this is this is going to make people up their game and, and sort of redefine the meeting in general? I think there's going to be sort of two waves that I see. One is it's going to be definitely a redefinition of meetings and the acceptance of the need to have those kinds of skill sets. I think that's going yeah. to be become part of the acculturation of people working in organizations. The second second wave, I think, is going to be all of a sudden we're going to realize this is something that is more accessible than we thought. Yeah. Because I've been working with a lot of people who are making this transition now. And the, uh, the um, inertia is pretty severe initially where people don't want to attack the technology. They don't want to learn it. They're afraid of it. Uh, and they have all those sort of impediments that are in the way. And you give them about four to six hours of work on on uh, in online meeting environments, yeah. and they usually walk away saying, "This is not as hard as I thought." <laughs> right? 
Yeah. And there, and there's so many over the years, I remember I had a financial planner that would always want to meet with me just to go over our 401k. And I mean, it was, you know, there's nothing I was that interested in, you know, just like how much is in there, you know, but he had to do his fiduciary duty uh, to, uh, to us. And I, and I always thought, you know, I hate this because it takes two hours. And so I finally talked him into doing it, you know, over and it took 20 minutes and he even was like, wow, why have we been doing this this way for, for years? Because that's all we know. Right. Um, do do you think though how I think a lot of times in the early days of online meetings, you know, people just accepted the the flaws and the technology and the connection and maybe the poor experience. But now you're gonna I think because we've all been forced or or the world has been forced into this uh, accepting this behavior. Do you think expectations are going to get a lot higher for the meeting experience? Because, you know, you've got Google in it and Microsoft's in it and Facebook is in it now because it's, you know, it's the way of the world. Do you think that that is going to create the need to actually get better? It, it is, but I'm always cautious to define the word expectations. So yeah. the expectations we have from vendors are growing uh, really fast. Sure. So we are expecting better, higher class tools that are easier to use and have more functionality all the time. And that that push is going to be like an avalanche and it's just going to continue. Yeah. The other side of the expectations term that I'd like you to define is what is the expectations that need to be appropriate for the participants in our meetings? And the, the reality is that an online meeting is more difficult to run than an in-person meeting to the same level of productivity. So I think there's going to be an expectations resetting here about we have this tool available, but we can't expect the same performance out of it that we can in an in-person meeting. So we're going to get more patient. We're going to get more deliberate in the way we run these meetings so that they are maybe slower, but they pace along and go from point A to point B to point C in a very methodical kind of way and remain productive doing that. So I think there's two sides to the expectations term. Yeah, and I, and I think I, I do think that, you know, I know I've, I've had a Zoom account for about four years, maybe. Um, and, and, you know, they've, they've innovated more in the last 60 days than they did in the four <laughs> years prior, you know, partly out of necessity. But, um, I mean, I, I do think that, I do think that's going to continue. And, and, you know, we're, we're saying meetings and I think people are probably traditionally thinking the, you know, the eight person department, you know, gets together or something. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I guess we could expand that to, to the 200 person event or to the, you know, the much larger sort of presentation kind of stage. So is, is that going to dictate some of the innovation you think in some of these tools? And, and, and we can, after this question, we could talk about tools in general, but. Yeah, you bet it is. And I'm part of a, a large national organization that's scheduling its first online annual conference. Now, the annual conference usually draws 800 to 1,000 people. So they're figuring out, we're trying to figure out how to do that right now. So there's all kinds of innovation occurring, not only with the use of the technology, but how we as meeting planners structure the events so they stay relevant, engaging, uh, provide value to the people who are going to pay whatever registration fee occurs. So there's a lot of that development that's going to Co, uh, be co-created at the same time. Yeah, and I think we'll have to experiment with what works and doesn't work. I mean, I don't think there's a there's a roadmap for it, and, and we're in some undefined <laughs> waters, maybe. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the tools. Um, uh, you know, it seems like uh, um, Zoom has become a, a, a verb. You know, for for you know doing an online meeting. But uh, are you have you explored other uh, technologies that that you believe work maybe as well or better? Well, I, I try not to get into brand definition yeah. because people have such uh, compartmentalized needs. But uh, to Zoom is now right. a verb, of course, and we're all doing it just 
doing that same thing no matter what platform we choose to use. So I think that the tools are going to continue to, to uh, evolve, but they're going to differentiate into those that provide more of a real-time interaction yeah. versus those that are more just conversation-based. Because the number one complaint I get from people in my meetings uh, who are tr- themselves struggling to run productive online meetings is they can't get engagement. Yeah. So I think we're going to see that element change in a radically rapid way so that people can, uh, can achieve that. Yeah. You think about some of the, you know, the conference call, you know, kind of meetings. I mean, you know, everybody just checked out, they're doing the dishes, you know, they're around, you know, the house. So, so obviously engagement, keeping people engaged is much harder in that environment. I know. So, yes. so if I'm a online meeting uh, leader or one of these webinar presenters or, or, you know, maybe even doing keynote, you know, speeches for conferences, are there some other tools I need to think about besides, you know, my, my earbuds and my, and my laptop? <laughs> you bet. I'm a really huge fan. So uh, uh, here comes the, the facilitator speak. I'm afraid I'm going to drop these terms on you. So there's uh, synchronous meetings and asynchronous meetings. And the synchronous meetings, of course, are those that are ones that are in real time and, and in person, whether they're mediated by a, a Zoom platform or not. So we'll all show up at the same website at the same time to have the same conversation. And those are the ones that we've been talking about so far. In terms of filling out your toolkit, I'm a huge fan of asynchronous tools. And those are the tools, of course, that uh, are a common website, but we all go visit that website on our own schedule. So one person can come at night, the other one can come the next morning. So think about blogs, discussion boards, wikis, those kinds of things, and survey tools. So I've been having great luck actually uh, thinking about a meeting event as a two-part process. So instead of scheduling a meeting and we all get on Zoom, I'm more and more scheduling a meeting and we have two events. One is an upfront asynchronous meeting to get a lot of general discussion going, ideas flowing, brainstorming, that kind of thing. Then we have the synchronous in-person event to react to that material. So I think a toolkit that has a robust array of those two kinds of tools is the way forward. So I, I completely agree. I would throw Slack in there, you know, as a, yes. as a common tool that's being used that way. But I, I, I'd also was curious about lights and microphones and backgrounds and monitors and all those kinds of tools as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, as the presenters say. My uh, strong opinions about that. First and foremost is don't let it stop you. Just start meeting and and starting to work out all the rough ages because there's no substitute for productive meetings for people getting along and making an interpersonal connection. And so even though the, the technology might be rough, you can still achieve a lot by doing that. The second wave of consideration for somebody who's funding meeting management software acquisition should be the kinds of things you're talking about, getting good sound, getting good light, getting good backdrops, uh, doing those kinds of things, all dependent on the audience you're speaking to. If I'm speaking to you uh, from my home to your home, the backdrop is probably okay if it's just normal. If I'm presenting to a client, I want it to look pretty sharp behind me and I want it to be well lit and I definitely want the sound to be good. You want to at least make the bed. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll invite you over to help me finish the lunch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. So let's talk about engagement because you mentioned that. Are, are there some tips for, I mean, clearly speaking at somebody for three hours is probably not a good idea, right? I mean, so are there some tips for, for getting more engagement, particularly when you, particularly when you're trying to brainstorm or collaborate with people? 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there is. And again, I, I like to think about these as hierarchies of, of ideas. And you can go from the very simplest thing about why don't you just pause and ask somebody and give them an opportunity to talk. So you can do some simple things like that. Another simple first level engagement activity is to get people to stop leaning back in their chairs and just passively listening and watching the screen, lean forward and touch their keyboard or touch their mouse. So you're getting them to click on things or type in notes in the chat function, doing uh, those kinds of things. So that's sort of one level that is, I, I don't know, I just I probably use that 40% of the time. It's just really so so effective and so simple, kind of a no-brainer. The next level up in my hierarchy is getting people to do evaluative things with the engagement tools. And so there you're talking about polls and surveys primarily and sometimes voting activities. Uh, I haven't had very much success with um, the polling tools in most platforms because they're they're good, but they're pretty straightforward and simple. And you can't do much much more than say, give us your choice. If, however, you can take uh, that kind of an activity off to a more sophisticated tool, mm-hmm. like a SurveyMonkey uh, polling system or even a Google Forms uh, tool that lets you do um, scaled voting and other kinds of things, then you have the opportunity for people to be more engaged by, in fact, not only leaning forward and touching their keyboard, but they're having to do some mental processing at the mm-hmm. same time. So you up the engagement engagement level in other increments. And then we all are vexed with uh, trying to present. You talked about, let's have a, an, can I show you an hour's worth of PowerPoint slides? And I'm sure you'll be totally entertained. By, you know. Oh, by the way, for that hour, I only have three slides. So we'll just put one up and each one will last about, you know, 20 minutes. Uh, so, so there's presentation style that is a way to up the engagement. And I'm a big fan of uh, John Medina and his work about attention spans, especially as he talks about in his book, uh, Brain Rules. And we as humans look like we're biologically hardwired to have pretty short attention spans. And so it grows worse in the online environment, especially if there's no no um, video feed, so you can't watch people engage. And so what you need to do is his antidote that I adopt a lot is you up the pace. So if you're going to do a presentation and you want to have a slideshow and that you know that presentation is going to tw- take 12 minutes, you don't want six slides. You don't want 12 slides. You probably want 24 slides or 36 slides. And you want to keep things moving because another element that John points out in his research is humans are hardwired to watch movement. Yeah. So you're yeah. moving, you're changing things rapidly and the things are moving across the screen. So there's that kind of engagement as well. That's really interesting because that's a little counter to uh, say an on-person stage uh, presentation, but, but on that on person stage presentation they've got all the body language and you can see what the you know how people are responding and i I wonder when we'll get a day we'll have a day where one of these tools will actually kind of use ai to see if people are leaning forward or if they are you know getting bored i i I would suggest that's probably not too far off in the in the distant future would you say there are different rules for different size audiences so if you're five people there's a different set of rules if than if you've got 50 yeah, you, def, definitely that's the case. The, the, the larger the audience, the more simplified the presentation program has to be and the more it becomes a presentation instead of an, an interaction. You can do some things like a 300-person audience can can do some voting and, and scaling kinds of things in a tool that you have as an asynchronous kind of tool. But you got to think those things are through pretty much and, and have them ready from the get-go. You can't. It's hard to make those up on the fly, fly and use them. 
in a in a small format meeting, um, it's much easier because people they'll cut you more slack. If this is a working meeting of six people, we're all in it together. You all are enrolled to the purpose of the meeting. You're working hard to try to achieve that accomplishment together. And if there's rough edges, as somebody sort of structures a survey or gets people to to, to debrief their thinking in a, a round robin set of comments and so forth, they'll 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 tolerate tolerate that more, and it actually ups ups the engagement level. So the audience size matters. I will say there's another distinction that um, users are worth, it's worth thinking about by your users. One is the nature of the emotions that are involved in a, in a, a meeting. So I do a, a lot, I'm a mediator as well, and I do a lot of mediations of conflict, and that's moving into the online environment as well. And when the emotions are elevated and people have this huge fear that they're about ready to make a decision that has negative consequences to themselves because they're negotiating something that's been a difficulty for them for maybe years before you get to be the mediator, then that takes a really close, small, intimate online meeting to make it work. So emotion, emotional scale is another element that I pay attention to in designing a meeting. Do you want to know the common thread between one of the greatest soccer players, Cristiano Ronaldo, Grammy award-winning artist Khalid, world's biggest YouTuber, PewDiePie, and the global airline, Emirates, they all trust and use the new .store domain extension for their online stores. A .store domain name tells people your website is a store. Plus, the word store is globally recognized, so it lets you create an e-commerce brand wherever you go. Join over 330,000 other store owners like you and trust and use the .store domains. Visit www.get.store and find your online store domain today. Where do you come down on recordings? So obviously all this technology allows us to record these things and, and, you know, people can view them afterwards. Uh, but you know, as hard as it is to sit through a 60 minute meeting, I find it much harder to sit through a 60 minute recorded meeting. Um, uh, is there a way to use what's gone on in the meeting, um, for, for, you know, to, so that other people can share it. Is there, a, is there a more compact way, I guess, or, or more direct way to, to get people who were not able to attend the meeting to participate? Yeah, and it all comes down to editing. And I, I've had luck with two kinds of editing. One is I know my program. And so I'll do an hour program and I know what my teaching points or my talking points or our discussion points need to be. And so I'll just take it on my, my shoulders unilaterally to say, because I have a, a perspective on that, I'm going to edit an hour down to 20 minutes and we're going to hit those highlights. The other way I've done it that's actually been more successful from a client perspective is we do the event, whatever that looks like. And then I ask the participants, what's the, say the largest three key learnings you've got out of this or the, the, the six things that your colleagues who weren't able to attend most need to know. And then we add it to that script. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, so, so that goes kind of to one of my last points is um, are there tools I, I find uh, in some of the meeting tools um, or meeting platforms, there aren't a lot of great collaboration tools. You already alluded to how some of the polls are, but, but, but let's say we're really trying to work on a script or we're trying to work on a document or something, you know, together. Um, have you found there are some, some tools that, that work better either synchronously or asynchronously for those kinds of collaborations? 
Yeah. Oh boy, I got favorites here. So okay. Nate, 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 a lot of times people just want to hear what what's one that works for you. So that's okay. Well, I'll give you I'll give you two bits of advice. One's a generic, and the other is very specific. The generic bit of advice is uh, invest and learn how to use with great sophistication co-authoring tools. So you can get into Google Docs or some platform that lets people simultaneously develop a, a document that is so powerful and so helpful. So that's the generic advice. Find some co-authoring tools that are appropriate for your situation. The specific advice is, let, let me do this by giving you a pop quiz. So would it be, would it as a person who's probably run a number of meetings, would you find it useful if there was some way to stuff a flip chart into one of your online meetings? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, there is. And that mechanism is to buy a piece of mind mapping software. Because there's nothing I found that's as close of an equivalent to a flip chart than using a mind mapping software in an online meeting, especially if you can buy a package that has co-authoring capacity and many, many of them do. Like With mind mapping, you can do pretty much all the functional things that we facilitators do with a flip chart. You can brainstorm. That means write ideas down. You can organize them. You can rank them. You can scale them. You can uh, fractionalize them into subject, subject set headings that matter. You can take notes on them. So it's that, that's definitely worth a time and money investment is to get some good mind mapping software. Yeah, so then you could actually just there's a lot of that's online now. Um, so you or either way, you could actually just you're just suggesting you screen share that. Yeah, that's, that's even more effective. I've done it uh, just eight uh, just with me typing for everybody, and it works. Yeah. But once your team knows how to use the mind mapping software, ideas and organization and hierarchy and all the things you need to do with information, this rolls out so much easier. All right. So my last uh, question is. You know, how do we get better at this? How do we find out what's working, what's not working with people? I know you can ask simply, but, you know, is there sort of an evaluation process that you've stumbled on to, to help get better, help you improve your meetings? It, my my pro approach is a little bit um, learn as you go. So uh, I'm a big fan of being an early adopter of multiple choices and then weeding out the ones that, that are not a good fit to you because the uh, hype from marketers is appropriate and, and helpful, but in, the proof in the pudding is, uh, is the tool a good fit and can I use it? I also encourage people to think about uh, reframing their attitude about it as well. Uh, most of the people I coach who are getting into these online meetings uh, express frustrations about the technology and how difficult it is to use. And I like to reframe this into an opportunity statement with these online tools, we have the opportunity to create efficiencies at a distance. So think mm -hmm. about reaching out to the whole world to, to talk to people yep. that was not available before. And we have the opportunity to reach out to greater collaboration breadth so we can invite more um, people with specialized skills to our meetings. We can invite more different kinds of stakeholders. Yeah. We can do those kinds of of uh, invitations that make our work richer and, and, and actually more durable in the long run. So I like to recast it as a, this is an opportunity yeah. in disguise here. Yeah. I, I, you know, I run um, 
conferences and things for uh, a network of consultants that, that I work with. And I, you're absolutely right. I mean, I have a lot of people that would love to come speak to this group. Uh, but the fact that they'd have to get on an airplane, spend three days makes it much, much more difficult. But uh, if I ask them to spend an hour, you know, talking, talking to some people about some ideas that they have that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just send them an invite to it. Uh, it's hard to say no to that for, for a lot of them because they want to anyway. And so it really does. Uh, it opens up some, some real doors. You're absolutely right. So I guess I'll, I'll end with, I've been asking a lot of people this question. Do you, do you think that the, the large conference, the, you know, the jump on a plane to make a sales call, I mean, do you think those days will ever come back? The, yes, they will compared to where they are today in the, in the middle of the of pandemic issue, but not as much because yeah. people are going yeah. to see the cost advantages of doing a lot of this stuff remotely. So no, yeah. it's not going to come back the way it was. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if some large organizations are looking at their 5,000-person office that's sitting empty right now thinking, maybe we don't need that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm working with a client right now who is based in Hawaii and has responsibility for people throughout the whole South yeah. Pacific. And so instead of spending money to send those people to Hawaii for a conference, they are tickled pink to be able to do this online. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, tell us where people can find out more about uh, your work and uh, certainly about uh, uh, Mastering Online Meetings, uh, the book. You bet. Yeah, thanks for that invitation. So there's um, three websites that maybe might be worth looking into. One is MasteringOnlineMeetings.com. There's quite a bit of information about me and the book there. The book's available now on Amazon, so I uh, can uh, go over there and just just type in the title and, and you'll get get a hit on it. And then third, if they have more curiosity about me as a person who does mediations and facilitations, that's my my parent company, cooperationcompany.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to stop by the podcast and uh, hopefully we'll uh, run into you uh, someday when we're uh, all out there on the road again. Well, my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. We'll see you soon. 